Welcome everybody to episode 34 of the Blue Skies Dronecast, the podcast by UAV Hub. This is a podcast for the UK drone industry discussing everything from the UK regulations, new drones and also speaking to you, the people within the drone industry. Presented this week by Tom and Adam. So welcome along everyone to episode uh, 34. Um, This week's episode is basically going to be an FAQ episode. So we've got a few more questions that have come in and we're going to answer those uh, to the best of our abilities. But uh, before we kick off, uh, we'll say a quick hello to Adam. So Adam, hello again. How are you doing? All all good this week? All good this week. We've uh, got got, got a new guest though, potentially for the show. For those that are watching (laughs) it on YouTube, um, we've adopted a eight-year-old cat. Uh, which was my mum's cat, and uh, yeah, she might potentially make a a, a a guest appearance potentially, potentially even on the podcast as well. She does meow quite a bit, so that might be nice for everybody. <laughs> so, so two dogs weren't enough. You thought you'd add a add a cat into the mix because two two dogs, a cat, yeah. and a nine and a half nine and a half month old baby just to uh, oh, just to add to my woes. Yeah, so so tune in next episode to see what else Adam has added to his uh, crazy, crazy house. <laughs> <laughs> How about yourself? How are you doing, Tom? I'm all right. Yeah, actually, I always always think that no one actually ever asks me, so I, uh, it's nice. Thank you very much. Yeah, all, all good actually. Same same uh, same as you. Nothing uh, much has happened this week. I don't think for me really. I'm just trying to think. You put me on the spot now, but uh, no, just nope. uh, just just uh, get, getting through some flight tests really for UAV Hub. That's been good. I think the weather's turning a little bit sour over the weekend and into the next week, so uh, we've got to contend with that. But uh, otherwise, no, everything's all ticking along nicely i think for me thank you very much nice. and it's a lovely day outside as well it's a shame yeah. that we're stuck indoors today not doing flight tests doing podcasts yeah. it's an absolutely beautiful day this is uh, we're That's recording it. this on friday the 11th for those that uh, are wondering mm. if it's if it's raining on the day this goes out it was nice the day we were shooting this yeah it sounds like it probably will be raining so yeah there we go <laughs> as is life uh, anyway so yeah let's uh, make a start then shall we so like i said we've got the faq episode uh, this week um, and the first question we're going to go over here um, is how do i report breaches of the regulations to uh, the CAA. So this comes up quite a lot. People see uh, other drone operators uh, potentially doing things that they probably shouldn't be doing, I suppose. And everyone says, oh, you know, how do I report this? I need to report it to the the CAA. But actually, that might not be the way to do it, Adam. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So actually, the majority of um, breaches to the regulations need to be reported to the local police. Um, So Uh. you just simply need to call 101, um, speak to your local police station um, and report it to them. Um, Whether it will get dealt with in an effective manner and investigated, I cannot say. But that is the correct process. The CAA cannot deal with breaches to the regulations it's actually it's a police matter not a ca Mm. matter now there is a small caveat to that where if you think the operator is operating under an operational authorization then Ah. it's worth reporting that to the ca and they actually have um a a formal complaints procedure with the ca it's uh whistleblowing at ca.com co.uk or there's a whistleblown report form um i'm not going to read the the hyperlink out for that because it's <laughs> it's too convoluted best thing to do is have a search for ca whistleblown report yeah short report form you can fill out that will go to the ca and they will uh, investigate whether that needs uh investigating into um but you should probably only do that for people that you think have been um uh, flying outside the permissions granted of an operational yeah. authorization, uh, so that's that's the way to do it. 
Cool. Okay, good. That makes sense, isn't it? Good. Hopefully that's uh, cleared up that first question. Anyway, that's good. Uh, okay, then. So moving on to uh, the next one. So if I take off from private land with my aircraft, but then I then start to walk uh, onto public land, let's say I want to start following the drone because I need to fly a bit further away or something like that. Um, if I need to capture that specific shot, is that allowed? Can I do that? Because now I suppose I've moved from private land, which I suppose I've got permission for, let's say, but now I'm on public land. Uh, how does that work? So there's a couple of kind of things we need to perhaps put down first. So we're going to assume mm. that the private land is potentially your own. You know, you've had permission to take off on land. So yeah. if you've had permission to take off on land, on that private land, that is great. You can then actually then fly your aircraft over um, public land then yeah um, and you can move you know with your remote control you know if you need to keep visual line of sight with the aircraft you can then move on to public land because actually you're not mm. breaching anything in terms of taking off from the public land you're just flying over the public mm. land however you know you still need to make sure you're not flying um over people um you know depends on obviously what aircraft you're flying you know, keeping any required distances you know if you're flying under the a2c of c that's that 50 meters from uninvolved people with a uh, 500 to 500 gram to two kilogram aircraft mm. um then you, know, you should be okay you know moving with the remote controller should be fine but then when you come to land provided you know if you haven't got the permission technically to to land on that public land or whatever it is then you should you bring it back to the, the private land where you did have permission to take off and where land. you started yeah, yeah i see that makes sense yeah because again it's the whole flying over as opposed to flying from i suppose isn't it that kind of argument yeah yeah it's a it's all it's you know that that taking off and landing that's a completely different issue into it from the from the ca's point of view actually what they are more concerned about and actually are concerned about is the flying over people you know are you yeah. endangering people in terms exactly. of the, the trespassing laws and all that that's nothing to do with the ca no no exactly understood great nice okay that was uh, the second question uh now moving on to something slightly different so we get a lot of questions now about um 3d mapping uh, and sort of survey work uh, for drones and uh, a long time ago we used to be able to say oh you can use uh pix4d uh, which is obviously kind of the the sort of the, the most professional or one of the most professional pieces of software out there. But when people used to say, oh, it's quite a lot of money. I just want to try out uh, 3D mapping with my aircraft. We used to say drone deploy, you know, because that was free and that was really good. But recently, uh, well, I say recently, it was probably a year or <laughs> so ago, ago. <laughs> now, a bit a bit behind the times there. Uh, they now they now charge because obviously a lot of people have been using the software. It's very good. And so that now is actually quite expensive as well. So people say, you know i might go that route but i'd like to just see what my aircraft can produce is there like a demo or is there a free piece of software or open source software that i can use and um adam i think you might have found one yeah so that, i mean if it is that you really want to use pix4d there are free trials but then it is you know if you think oh i really like this then you do yes you do have to pay for it and there is a subscription <laughs> base but there are other tools on the market there are open source tools um that are free or very cost effective versus paying for you know very expensive subscriptions mm. so the one that's kind of cropping up quite a lot that people are using these days is open drone map.org uh, that's open drone map.org um, there's a there's two interfaces that you can use with it there's a command line interface if you 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 i suppose i'd say that's probably more aimed at linux users or those that do understand command line um prompts 
or you've got a web interface so you've got the kind of the, a, a graphic user interface is probably the best way of describing it so what most people are are used to and it's interesting about this uh, Open Drone map is it, it's all community-led, very much I suppose like the kind of the Linux, um, yeah, you know, operating system. It's all it's all open source. Uh, hmm. People, it's got a whole uh, community-driven uh, support network. Um, it's Great. really really good actually. From it from a support point of view, you, know, you could pop something in the forum, or actually the best thing to do is search the forums first for any troubleshooting issues. It's likely it's there, and if it's not then you ask the community for that help. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. It runs uh, recently, we found out it runs recently on N1, M1 chips for Mac. So that's a big oh, thing. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, that's good. So I, natively, I read, obviously now, yeah. Yeah, natively. So I read a blog on how they how they did that. Apparently there's a lot of issues they had to iron out. So obviously the M1 chips have been out now for over 12 months, mm. I think now, aren't they? I think they're it's over a year getting old. Close getting, that, think, getting closer to that, Getting closer. So yeah. it's taken a while for, for them to build... Or, or adapt it, I should say, for a, for the yeah. M1 chip, um, and it's now it's now done. So that's actually great. Mm. Um, so we've not personally used it, so I can't give you any, or, or UAV Hub can't give you any support on this piece of software. So you know, please don't call us up and say, "Oh, I'm I'm stuck at this point. What do I do?" <laughs> yeah, we don't know. We've not used the software. Uh, we just we've just know that a lot of people are trying this and are after something that's cost effective or open source or free mm. yeah so how much uh, how much is it then adam uh, before we sort of carry on just for people who want to know a price <laughs> yeah so uh, obviously that's always the big factor so technically you can get it for free now mm. there's a big caveat to the free one is you have to go via github um and download the uh, the the software um and you need to you know essentially you need to know what you're doing with that now yeah, what they've actually done is if you don't know how to use um, the the software and the packages, uh, you don't want to deal with that. It's actually you can download the installers. Uh, now the installers cost. Um, I'm just just going to get off my notes. Fifty seven dollars <laughs> for a standard one time purchase license, or one hundred and forty seven dollars for the business license. Now they do do. Um, two separate versions so there's a windows and a mac version you have to pay for them mm. separately or they do a bundle yeah. where you can pay um and it works a bit cheaper for, for both of them together so you mm. know if, if you're a standard license i suppose if you're doing it for a business or you are a limited company you should be paying the 147 dollars to license yeah. that yeah um but you know it isn't bad at all you know if you no. call that what 110 120 pounds mm. exchange rate give or take yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not bad at all and that's and that's not a subscription that's not a one year's license that's that's just the standard license mm, yeah cool. so it's very very cost effective if you you want to dip your toes in or if you feel really um adventurous you can use the github source code from github and mm. do it yourself but you know again there's no support for the installation of no. that you're gonna have to know what you're doing I see. Yeah, that's it. Cool. And and specs wise, what are we looking at? Is it is it quite sort of computer intensive? Is it uh, the software itself, Adam? Or kind of. So with all these kind of things, with you know, with drone deploy picks for the you know, because it is, um, I believe it is processed on your computer. Although they might be, um, I think I did mm. read somewhere that there is some cloud based processing. Again, ah, okay. I, I will look into this potentially for a further episode to try and give more information about this piece of software so we can give some uh, more techie information. Uh, but yeah, as standard, yeah. I believe it's processed on your computer. 
Mm -hmm. So you are going to need something that's going to be able to handle the image. You know, if you're if you're using a large data set, um, mm. you are going to need a beefed up machine. They recommend that you're going to need 100 gigabytes of space and um, 16 gig of RAM. Uh, it might mm. be different for the M1 Max because they obviously they handle um, handle things differently. So I would yeah, say sure. again, it's get the most powerful machine you can. You know, the most powerful machine you can get will produce better results if you're working with old tech with maybe eight gigs of ram don't expect you know phenomenal results or don't no. expect things to be processed quickly um, <clears throat> it's it's exactly the same with pix4d and drone deploy you know if you are processing yeah. locally and that's the key word locally you're gonna need the tech to yeah to work with the data it's gonna take a bit longer and get a bit hotter as now i guess <laughs> that's it you know don't don't expect <laughs> potentially great results but you know no. for 50 you know if it is a standard license you're getting 57 dollars worth a try yeah. you know versus paying yeah for sure fortunes what i will yeah. kind of add on the end is you know obviously I, I don't know what data sets it pulls out what types of ortho mosaics with the files and whatnot it pulls out so if you're going to be shooting or capturing data for a client you're going to just need to make sure that what this software um distributes out of itself is going to be right for your needs you know always yeah. make sure that the client you know what the client needs because it might be that this software doesn't output the correct format you know, i don't no. you know, i don't know i don't know exactly what what it does whereas it picks 4d and droid play might do more i just don't know but yeah. worth trying yeah. certainly worth a try yeah exactly it's a good way to test the waters if you like it and it works then you might want to spend a bit more money then to get the right format for a paying client or something, mind you, I suppose. That's a nice way of doing it. Yeah. That's it. I, you know, I'd always say that, you know, if, if a client does want to, you know, need something out of Pix4D or whatever, it's probably worth, you know, adding that into the um, into yeah. the bill, you know, because you might be able to just need to get a subscription to Pix4D for a month, you know, and yeah. that could be covered by the cost of the, from the client. Just yeah, something to exactly. think about there. Yeah, yeah, cool, nice. And uh, sort of uh, carrying on with the same sort of subject, I guess, really, um, can you use uh, one of the smaller aircraft for this type of work? So uh, DJI Mavic Mini, a Mini 2, or or something similar, Adam? Do, what do you reckon? So the short answer is yes, specifically for the DJI Mavic Mini. So um, ignore the Mini 2 and the mini se for now and i'll come uh. back to that in a moment uh, so we're just going to talk about the mavic mini so yes you can use a mavic mini but not all the software um potentially will support it so we're talking about the automated uh flights uh. For, for mini so you um you know check if you are using something like uh, you know pix4d capture or drone to play whether it is support the the mini at the time mm. you might need to use something else potentially but yes it can be used um, you're going to come across a couple of issues. One is the sensor size is quite small. It's 12 megapixels. Uh, it's a rolling shutter, so it's nowhere near as good as something like a, uh, a Phantom 4 with its mechanical shutter. Yeah, people talk about that, don't they? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so in terms of the data you're going to get, won't be as good as a Phantom 4, but, you know, with enough processing behind it, if you know what you're doing, you mm. actually might be able to get not bad results at the end, at the yeah. end of it. Yeah, yeah. So how can they, if they are going to be using, or if someone does purchase a Mavic Mini and they do want to use it, are there any uh, sort of tips that might help them get better photographs out of it? 
Yeah, so fly at a, a lower altitude um, and speed. So again, because of that rolling shutter, you need to fly um, at a slower speed because um, of the, the data, it, uh, how it captures the data. Yeah. So fly slower, fly lower. Now that obviously has an impact on um, the area that you're going to be capturing. So if you're capturing a large field, because you're flying at a lower altitude, it means the, the picture sizes. Um, of the area are going to be a lot smaller so yes. you're going to need to cover it's going to take a lot longer to cover um, a field versus you would with a, a phantom 4 so you know make sure that you're going to have enough you know battery or if you are you might have to land multiple times to swap your batteries out to do the flights you're going to have more photos um <laughs> to capture the same amount of data sure you're more susceptible to the wind as well you know it's only a little um a little bird so um mm -hmm. you know if it's again higher winds you're not going to be able to do the job whereas you might have been able to do it with something like uh, a phantom four mm -hmm. and the last thing yeah. is the visibility of it you know it's a small aircraft and if you are flying yeah. a, across a large you know let's say a 500 meter field you're not going to see the that mavic mini at the other end of the field if it's 500 meters i guarantee you will not see it there no. so no. you know you're going to have to move with the aircraft across the field um, yeah, again sure. stopping it's going to take you longer to capture the same set of data yeah that's it yeah and uh it's not uh or how how should i put it um with the the newer one so the mini 2 and mini se it's not a sort of a total loss at the moment is it it looks as though they're going to be supporting them uh in in the future it's just the software has to catch up, I suppose. Yeah, it's this uh, software development kit that DJI um, uh, get to release. So apparently uh, DJI have just released the Android software development kit for the Mini 2. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know about the SE, but it's for the Mini 2. That was released in January um, 2022, so just last month. So if you're flying using a uh, an iphone or an ipad for your uh, as part of your remote controller then yeah. it won't be supported yet it probably will happen um mm. probably this year i'm surprised actually they've done it for the android version rather <laughs> yeah. than the, the ios it usually is the other way around so yeah um, for sure if, yeah. if you've got if you've got a mini 2 and you're flying on android uh, or using the Android um, software for, for your controller, then it's likely you'll be able to find that there's a compatibility with your Mini 2 for oh, um, mm. uh, automated flights. Yeah, perfect. That's good. So it's always good to do a bit of research, isn't it? And just make sure that, you know, other people have had success and stuff like that first, I suppose, too. That's always a, a good plan of action. Uh, nice. Okay, cool. So that's the sort of the uh, 3D mapping uh, side, uh, side of things uh, uh, done so that's good uh, we're now going to move on um, to a slightly different topic here so what happens if uh, I come to renew my OA uh, but I haven't done enough flying within the last three months so obviously most people should know that you have to be doing two hours every rolling three months let's say you've been ill or the weather's been horrific and you haven't managed to do that what what can you do is there anything outside of the going out and flying a bit more that we can we can sort of utilize adam uh, what do you reckon yeah so there's a couple of cases here which uh will determine what you need to do so case so we'll say case one so you've got an nqe recommendation certificate so not you haven't done a gvc course or you haven't converted to a gvc yet so your original certificate when you did your course is an nqe recommendation certificate and your operational authorization has lapsed and you didn't have enough flight you, know, you don't have enough flight logs well 
sorry, you're going to need to come and do a GBC course with a new flight test. There's nothing you can do, I'm afraid. No. Um, it's sort of full stop there. Yeah. Now, cool. if you've got an NQB recommendation certificate and your operational authorization is still valid, so, you know, you, you've still got uh, a few weeks left on your operational authorization, or ideally a, a couple of months, then you just need to get those flight logs in as soon as possible. Uh, get get that two hours done and get your, your renewal submitted. Um, that's that's, that's going to be the, the key thing. You'll get it in. You'll be able to keep renewing with your NQE recommendation certificate up until the end of 2023. So if you haven't done a GBC course yet, you've still got, as of today, this is you know, early... Uh, early to mid-February 2022, mm. you've got just under two years to convert over to a GVC. That's it. Yeah, so make sure you're setting a, a reminder in your phone a good few months before it lapses <laughs> and That's fly it. your aircraft. That's basically That's the recommendation there, isn't it? <laughs> if you listen to this in 2023 and you haven't yet converted to a GVC, now's the time to do it. Yeah, that's it. That's that's good advice there for a year's time, isn't it? <laughs> Pre-planning. That's it. Case three. Okay, case three. So you've got a GVC, but your operational authorization has lapsed. It's not a deal breaker. Uh, just go out, log those two hours um, as soon as you can, you know, as soon as you're ready, and then renew. Um, you will have to pay the full fee. Today's price is £253. Uh, that may change in the future, uh, but as of today, it's £253, uh, and you'll get your operational authorization back. Cool. And the final case, so case four, you've got a GVC, but your operational authorization has not lapsed. Simple as, just get your um, flights, logs, get that two hours in, get yourself renewed before your operational authorization lapses, and pay your £190 for your renewal. Um, again, don't let it lapse because you'll just end up paying more. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and I think now it's pretty difficult to... Well, from my point of view and probably from our point of view, Adam, it's pretty hard to let it lapse because nowadays, you know, we, we can put a reminder in our phones and stuff like that. What we've got to remember is the CIA aren't going to remind you and you know we're not really going to mind, remind you either yep. because it's all about you know your business your license the dvla don't remind you i don't think so it's one of those things set a reminder and you know when that pings up start the process and give give yourself a good because you can renew 90 days in advance adam can't you so give yourself you know four months or three months of, you know warning really because then there's uh, no excuses really is there so yeah, yeah. exactly i said you know we we as an organization we know when you're um when we issued your GVC, but we don't know when you applied for your operational authorization. Yeah, we we no. let's say we issue a GVC today, eleventh of February, twenty twenty two. You might not actually apply for your your um, operational authorization for six months. So mm. there's no point us sending you a reminder twelve months from today saying, "Oh, your OA is about to lapse," because we don't know. No, um, and like it, I said, yeah. I don't think the CA do remind you. So just put a reminder. We see so many people falling through the cracks here. Um, and it's mm. worth just keeping keeping an eye on, you know, £60 is a, it's a lot of money, um, mm, especially, with the, exactly. especially with the gas bills going up. <laughs> I, imagine that, I imagine that these fees are probably going to go up, I would say, probably oh. next time, I would say. It's always gone up with inflation. Yeah, um, true. Good for us. Uh, but because of the pandemic, things were halted as they were. I would half expect things to go up in the next um, in the next scheme of charges. Um, yeah, so probably, after April, maybe, yeah. do we think? Or, I would say yeah. you're probably looking anywhere 5 to 6% increases. I would mm. hazard a guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's something else to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> Add that on to the um, bills. 
That's it. Yeah, lovely. Okay. And uh, the last question then uh, for this episode, um, can I add a GoPro or other type of um, sort of a portable camera uh, onto my FPV drone or onto my aircraft? So obviously we've seen a lot of these little cameras uh, appearing, um, especially the little 360 ones. They look pretty cool and they're very small actually and lightweight. And I guess you would start to think, hang on, that would look really good on a drone. Can I do that, Adam? Is that possible? So yeah, you can absolutely add any anything onto your drone effectively um but you've still got to make sure that obviously your aircraft is going to be safe what i am going to um sort of add on is if again this is more for a future you know future listeners really if your drone is a certified drone so c0 c1 c2 um i'm, I'm gonna call if you start adding um, a camera on that's not designed to go on to the aircraft and this is certified drones then any alterations you make to the aircraft will negate the certification so if you've got a c2 drone and you add a gopro on top of your c2 drone that is no longer a c2 drone you will have to fly that either under an operational authorization or in the a3 subcategory of the open category you can't fly it in the a2 subcategory with in this case a, a gopro one but if it's a legacy drone um, or a custom built one then mm. yeah you know that's it but um you can probably you'll be better explaining this time so what's the what's the implications if you add in um you know extra cameras or anything actually on, onto an aircraft yeah so it's all really to do with the uh, the flight performance obviously the aircraft that you've bought or the aircraft that you've potentially built, you've kind of, or let's let's use, you know, uh, pre, pre-built aircraft. They've all been designed to fly at their specific weight. You know, that's what they've been designed to do. So everything is specced to um, take that into account. If you then start adding cameras on top of that weight, the aircraft really isn't really designed to do that. So the biggest thing you'll notice probably is a reduction in flight time. That's the biggest one, which isn't too much of a problem with drones flying, you know, for half an hour nowadays. You know, you might you might half that flight time down to 15 minutes, which is still fine. The biggest thing to be aware of, though, is um, stressing all the electrical components. So the biggest thing will be uh, the motors. They might start getting hot and overheat potentially. So that's something to bear in mind. Uh, and also because you're putting on uh, more weight that means the motors have to spin quicker or it's harder for them to spin I should probably say uh, which means then it's going to be pulling more energy out of the battery and so then the battery isn't really designed to do that either so it can obviously keep up with a certain amount of current draw but if you're pulling a lot of current it, it's gonna the voltage is gonna sag very quickly so the percentage might drop quite suddenly and if it's cold it might suddenly just reach its thresh, threshold before it realizes it won't have time to land and it might just actually just gently drop out of the sky as well so there's quite a lot there to sort of understand and it takes me back to uh my first sort of uh job i suppose with with, with an aircraft it was quite a heavy lift aircraft but it was specced um very badly really badly and i i flew it and as it was taking off uh, it was lifting a Canon 5D, so it was quite a, a chunky camera, really. And, you know, it was a relatively small drone for that. But obviously, I'd just come into the company and, you know, I was assured that this one had been built by a professional, etc. And obviously, when it took off, it, it sounded really strange. It was like, this drone sounds loud. You know, something's not quite right with it. And when we were hovering, it would do this strange yaw on its own, just out of out of the blue, just do a 360 pirouette really slowly and then stop and then 
be fine again and it was really weird and I just didn't understand kind of what was happening um, and uh, the, the, the flight time was really low and stuff like that and in the end I did a bit of research and worked out that, that the drone was heavily overloaded it, it was to the point at which the motors had no more RPM left to, to give <laughs> flight commands so it was hovering at I don't know, 90% throttle, I think, or something ridiculous. So obviously, if there was a gust of wind, the propellers only had a little 10% to kind of speed up to kind of counteract the wind, and it couldn't. And so it was really dangerous. And I and I explained that to the, the people that I was working for, and they were like, no, you know, this has been built by a professional. You know, you, you don't know what you're talking about, etc." But I didn't fly after that. I was like, no, this this thing is is severely overloaded. And that's the danger. You know, if it can't keep itself up in the sky when there's a bit of wind or you put in a control input, it's going to crash and you're the one flying it. So you're going to get into trouble with that. And, you know, so it's things like that. So I would say fine to add cameras and extra weight, but just know what you're doing a little bit and, and you know, do it cautiously, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> As well. And there you go, on the cat, right on cue. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so if you there are built, so if you are, um, let's say, for example, you know, for FPV builds, you know, a lot of people do custom build FPV aircraft. Um, what are the kind of the key things to, uh, you might have already pretty much covered them. So what are the key things that these guys need to really watch for? If they are building their own drones or, you know, buying parts from left, right, and center and piecing it together and then adding. Yeah potentially a gopro on top or under slung however it's going to be what are sort of the key things that they need to um, potentially yeah. watch out for so i would say kind of think uh over spec it really so whatever you've kind of worked out and i know when i used to build drones there were some very good web applications where you type in your motors you type in your battery you type in how heavy it was and it would give you um a, a sort of a power to weight ratio and you could then see right well i've got you know four kilograms four kilograms even of thrust available and my aircraft weighs one kilogram so you know you've got a massive headroom if those numbers start to level out then obviously the aircraft probably won't take off. So that's obviously a very bad situation. So just think, right, well, I'm going to add this amount of weight on top of it. Do I have enough headroom uh, for that? And like I say, monitor the aircraft. If your flight time is halved with the camera, that's quite drastic. If it's only taken a couple of minutes off, that's probably fine. You know, feel the motors, see if they're warm or hot. If they're hot, you're stressing them too much. So you either need to change the motors, change the voltage of the battery, potentially if you can, or, you know, don't carry the camera, I suppose, as well. So, and also if it flies badly and it doesn't feel very good when you're flying it, that's another sign that, you know, again, it, uh, it, it's probably not really spec like that. So, yeah, just make sure you choose your motors, your propellers and your electronics to, to cope with what you're trying to do, really. And I think if you're flying an FPV drone and you built it yourself, you should know that. You should have that kind of in the back of your head anyway. So I think really it's more to do with people who buy an aircraft off the shelf I would probably advise not adding stuff to it, but yeah, you know, yeah, it, it's it's for it's those up to are, you. <laughs> it's for those that are buying something like a Mavic Two or a Mini, and then adding yeah. a three uh, a, uh, a three sixty camera yeah, under slung underneath one. it. Just make sure mm. that it's it's going to handle okay. Yeah, that's it. There's loads of videos on YouTube where they'll say, you know, Mavic Mini 2 carrying a GoPro. And it's like, yeah, it will. It flies for 40 seconds before it crashes. But nah, that, that's that's not good, is it? It's, it's really going to be stressing. And obviously then if it does crash, uh, the the sort of the the telemetry that DJI can now look at is incredible. You know, it'll, it'll give you a warning if... Uh, apparently, again, my, my, my father-in-law's got a, a Mavic... Uh, mini sorry mini two for christmas and uh so he's he's out flying that and loving it which is great uh, but he was saying that actually it it knows now when you put the propeller guards on and it puts you into 
beginner mode or it limits your altitude and your distance and it must know the resistance on the motors is a bit higher and think oh they're fitted propeller guards so if you crash with a camera on dji will know that they will know that the motors were working really hard for some reason and then it suddenly just gave up so you probably yeah. won't have any uh warranty i shouldn't think either and stuff like that so it is a thing to think about and obviously as well i think we probably should say tell your insurance company as well if you are carrying something different as well because they don't need much of an excuse to not pay out either do they <laughs> no absolutely any uh, any excuse yeah exactly right so hopefully that's uh helped people on that uh, subject um as well so um just before we uh sign off then we've got um, a small side note so we are actually from next episode so the one after this we're actually going to be moving to one episode uh, every two weeks uh, as well so we just thought we'd let you know that just so you're not expecting something next week when there might not be something so uh, we're purely doing that just because we need to try and condense what we're doing uh, obviously we've lost Matthew so it's only uh, me and Adam now doing this type of thing and Adam's part-time so it is quite difficult or there's quite a bit of work involved every week to pull together an episode and figure out what to talk about and film it and do everything so we're gonna try and condense it and make it every uh, fortnight but we will still do episodes if there are important ones adam won't we i think so we will do more um we will do more episodes if there's new regulations that come out if there's new aircraft that are released and we need to do a kind of a special fill-in one we will shoot those and make sure that they get released to make sure that you guys are always kept up to date and not waiting weeks for potentially yeah. important updates yeah exactly right yeah and that's the main thing you know we want to keep doing this podcast we've got a lot of listeners so we want to say thank you for listening every week we've got some avid listeners i think who always listen in and uh, it's one of those things that you start to sort of not build your life around but it's a nice thing to look forward to isn't it you know on a, on a wednesday for a podcast so we don't want to you know just start dropping off the radar and disappearing you know it, that's not what we want to do but to make it as consistent as possible we're going to try and make sure we are here at least every couple of weeks that's the main thing so at least you've got those sort of you know two episodes a month to uh, look forward to as well but no we do appreciate the listeners uh, and we also appreciate the feedback as well so no thank you very much you know it's nice to nice to know some people are listening to us isn't it adam <laughs> so <laughs> yeah help. it's nice to know we've got an audience yeah exactly right no so thanks very much we really do appreciate it and uh, yeah on that note i think we'll sign off so um adam do you want to do the sign off just to finish off Yes, so uh, if you do have um, any questions or if you've got any topics that you want us to cover, drop us an email, dronecast at uavhub.com. Um, if there's anything desperate we need to reply to, we generally do reply back to you via email because we know sometimes there is a long wait uh, for it to potentially come onto the actual podcast. So we always yeah. do try and reply back to emails and then deliver the answer for the wider audience um, yeah, on sure. an episode. If you haven't already, do subscribe to the channel. Um, every subscription really does help us. Do leave us a review in um, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, wherever you can. Again, that really does help us to, to uh, raise up the podcast channels. It does honestly help us out. Mm. Um, and tell a friend. You know, every, if you can, t if every reviewer tell, sorry, if every um, mm. listener tells one person, we can keep growing our audience. And actually, if the audience does keep growing we might even bring back extra days again because we can bring on more people uh we'll try to get more guests on so the more yeah. and more reviews the more and more people that start listening to the podcast really does help us out so um hmm. do, do you want me to do the sign off or because you usually do no, the sign off I, I should probably do that shouldn't i i don't know <laughs> oh, back I, I'll, let you do I'll let you do it one day adam you know if you're if, if you're good <laughs> cool so uh yeah again thanks very much for listening everyone uh and the last thing we need to say is uh yeah fly safe and blue skies and uh, we'll see you in the next one